I guess like we you know with any great story, there's always a little bit of a backstory to it. It's just amazing to see how God orchestrated every step along the way. I met Ian when I was in college. Neither one of us were in very good points in our lives. He was talking to me, lamenting about how he didn't really have anybody to go to church with him. And so I was like, well, I, my mom goes to church all the time. I'll go with you. We started a small group this past summer. And then when Pastor Aaron reached out and said, would you like to help pioneer this Victory House Church movement? It was mostly him coming back to faith at that point and me just kind of being like supportive friend. We met Cassidy through Ian, her fiance now, but at the time boyfriend. So we invited them over for dinner. And I think that was when we really got to know them. House church was a lot easier to settle into because it was smaller community, less people staring at me. There's more room for like deeper communication. And I really appreciate that. We would just talk about life and we might not directly talk about Jesus, but you just felt like somebody was behind all of this and somebody was orchestrating all of this. And we just had a great time together. It was becoming increasingly obvious um, to me how much Ian seemed to be thriving in his own soul, getting back into a relationship with God. That was the direction I needed to, to keep going in. Our whole community uh, was, you know, a witness to Cassidy. Claudia mentioned in like an email the women's night. So I signed up for it. And two days before I was like, maybe I shouldn't go. <laughs> Ian said, you should text Claudia and see if she's going. She came with me as well as one of our other people from house church. And it was a lot, but in a good way. It was like just overwhelmingly positive to see that many women trying to support women through Christ. We went there and yeah, they had an altar call and then she said baptisms are tonight and I knew that I needed to do that. Do you mind if we stay late later? Cause I want to get baptized. I'm like, yeah, of course. She was like, yes, go. <laughs> just walked with her the whole way and waited with her thinking that, you know, I would just be a moral support. Um, but when I was asked to baptize her, I felt, um, I felt kind of inadequate. It made it feel more personal to me. It was really outstanding. Yeah, getting a little emotional. <laughs> uh. When you are sincere and just want to know someone and just care for them, they are really open to whatever it is that is in your life. It's a great opportunity to show Christ's love by inviting them into your home hosting Easter, being able to see the fruit of it, like Cassidy having getting baptized. So, so definitely would encourage it by all means. Good morning, good morning, Victory family. I said, good morning, Victory family. Listen, we're excited that you're here this morning, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online. Go ahead and jump into the chat. Let us know where you're watching from. We would love to greet you. We welcome you. We thank you for choosing Victory Midtown as your place of worship today. And as we press into the power of the Holy Spirit, we just declare, God, there is no one like you. There never will be. So we lift you up. 
we say inhabit the praises of your people, Father. We love you, we thank you for this great opportunity that we get to express our love and our worship to you, God. Be glorified and magnified in this place in Jesus' name. Came running after us You told the 
have the great opportunity to celebrate with someone who has decided to make a public declaration that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. So if you would please turn your attention to the baptism. My name is DeAndre and I'm dedicating my life to Christ. DeAndre, it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.
of our hands, the raising up of our voices, God, we sing your praise because you and you alone are worthy. You and you alone are worthy. We lift your name on high. We worship you, Jesus. And we just take a moment right now because we know your presence is in this room. And we know that you're moving and that you're changing and that you're shifting things in the atmosphere right now. And so I lift up every person right now under the sound of my voice and watching online. If you are in need of healing, I just want you to lift your hands right now. If you're in need of a touch from God right now, I need you to lift your hands. Don't be ashamed. Just lift them up high. The beautiful thing about the fellowship of believers is that when we come together, we can, we can join our faith with yours. And maybe you don't even have faith in this moment because you haven't felt that touch from God that you've been praying for for quite a long time. But I do believe that in this moment, by the power of the blood that was already shed and the work that he already did, that you are healed. So in the lifting of your hands, I believe that whatever is going on is falling away right now. The sickness is dissipating right now. Diabetes is dissipating right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever type it is, it's falling away right now. Under the sound of my voice, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are healed. 
you are healed. That backache is being healed right now. That slip disc is being healed right now in the name of Jesus. That muscle spasm that hasn't been going away for a long time, it's healed right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is that you stand in the need of right now, by faith, you are healed. And I just dare you to take a moment and put a praise on it and begin to thank God for what you're believing that he is doing right here and right now. Take a moment and just breathe it in because he's here. And so, Father, we receive the healing. We receive your presence right now. And we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, we all said amen, amen, and amen. Worship the Lord, y'all. Worship. We all have a reason to give him praise. We all have a reason to give him thanks. And so, listen, once again, I just want to welcome you, whether it's your first time or you're a member here, we, we love that you're here. We're glad that you chose Victory Midtown as your place of worship. And if you're watching online, we welcome you as well. If you would please turn to somebody on your left and your right, to the front, to the back, say, what up though? You can take your seats. Well, good morning, Victory. I think I just heard somebody say, what up, what up, y'all? I love it. Hey, um, it is energizing to be here, but the word that just came to me was, it is empowering to be in dad's house this morning. Amen? We're loving it. And hey, if this is your first time with us, we want to give you an especially big welcome. Fa Victory family, help me out. Hey, we love, we love our first-time guests. And again, we appreciate that you came to worship with us today, that you chose here to be. And so we have a special gift for you. It's out in the lobby. And there you're going to find... Um, our family members, some of our family members who are there to answer any questions that you may have, um, get to know you a little bit better, get to feel you out, see if this is where um, you're excited to be today. And again, we have a gift that we want to put in your hands just for being you. We also encourage you to go to connecttovictory.com. That's a, a one-stop shop for all things victory. You can even Continue your worship through tithes and offerings at that connecttovictory.com. Hey, there's another way to find out about Victory, and that's happening next week here in the house at 3 p.m., and that is Discover Victory. We believe that one of the best ways to find out about Victory is to hang out with the leadership team, get to know them a little bit as we ask you questions and you ask us questions. So we invite you out. Registration is required, so if you've been here forever, or this is your first time and you want to come back and know more about us, again, Discover Victory is happening next week here in the house at 3 p.m. Guys, Easter, believe it or not, is just two weeks away. And this is the time that we get to celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made, and we also get to celebrate the victory that we had on Resurrection Sunday. But this is also an important time because it is the most heavily attended Sunday in all of the church world. And so it's a time where we can have a direct impact on somebody who doesn't know Jesus like you and I do. Amen? And hey, you can host, you can serve, or you can invite somebody out. And we have the resources for you. All we ask you to do is go to easterinatlanta.com and you can find all the information you need. And lastly, if you want to follow along with today's notes, you can do so in the YouVersion Bible app. Go to more click on events down at the bottom, you'll find Victory Midtown. And you can find all of today's notes. You can write your own notes. 
Make your own annotations and you can keep them for as long as you would like. Now, Victory, I'm excited because we're about to get into something that I watched at 9 a.m. and I can tell you it's going to impact your life. As we continue this blessed series, you're about to be a little more blessed today. But before we do, I want to pray over our hearts and over our giving. So if you'll bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for your generous heart towards us. Thank you for our generous hearts turns back towards you. God, we pray blessing over the gift that you could do more with it than we could ever imagine. You could take little and make much, and only you can do that. So, Father, we also bless the giver. Again, your heart inside of us is just turning back to you, giving back to you what was already yours, and we thank you for the opportunity to be invited into your plan. God, I pray over our hearts today, fertile soil, These aren't seeds. These are big clumps of vegetation that can impact our lives and the lives of those around us as we seek to be more like you, as we seek to have you shine from within us to the outside world. So, Father, let us see and let us hear whatever it is you brought us here today to be a part of. For your name and in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Victory Midtown. How y'all living? Y'all look absolutely wonderful. But listen, if you were giving applause for me, that would be totally acceptable. But we made it to the house of the Lord. So I want you to make some noise and give praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's make some noise for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it is so great to see you all and to be with you all today. Um, If you're wondering, I'm not Pastor Mo. I believe I'm his good thing. I'm Pastor Mo 2.0. I'm Pastor Kendra. And I have the opportunity to be with you all today to share. And I hope you've been tracking with us and really leaning into this wonderful, powerful message we've been on a journey of called Bless. Anybody, have you been being blessed by this Sermon on the Mount series? Listen, I don't know about you, but over the last several weeks, I've really just invited God into this place where he is really making me and he's transforming me. And that's the opportunity we have with these Beatitudes. This is not just something to take notes on. Pardon me, you all. This is not something just to take notes on and put it away. God is inviting us into a space where when we are finished with this series, we won't be able to recognize ourselves. That's why the mandate over our lives really is congratulations. Congratulations, you're growing. Congratulations, you don't look the same. Congratulations, you're maturing. And and here's something that I've been watching God do. It's a phrase that I've attached to the Beatitudes. This is not Bible, this is Kendra, okay? There's a difference. But what I've been saying over these Beatitudes, even as they're making me uncomfortable as God is ushering me into growth, what I've been saying is this, it's painful, but it's necessary. 
It's painful, but it's necessary. So if you find yourself in this place right now where you're going through some things and it might feel painful, I want you to know and invite you into this space that it is necessary. Amen? Amen. I also want to invite you into something else because we are family. We family here, right? Amen. So when I tell you March has been marching, do I got a witness in the room? Okay, March has been marching in my life, so much so that even this week and right now, I'm overcoming some type of sinus and nasal something. Some of you can hear it. And this is what I want you to do. I want to invite you to pray with me and for me as I'm up here sharing God's word. Because if you've been with us for a while at Midtown, you know what the enemy tries to do when it's my turn to preach. (laughs) Kind of like this mic is doing a little bit of something right now, so just give me a little minute. And that's not the team. It's just we're, we're adjusting to all these things. We have a great team of people. Will you give it up for our production team? Amen. Thank you. Will you also give it up for Pastor Davis who came up here and gave you instructions? Amen. It takes a village to make this work. So here's the thing. If you've been with us for a moment, you understand that the word blessed in the Greek means makarios. Makarios. And what that means is happy, fortunate, and blessed. Say that with me. Say, I'm blessed. blessed. Okay, stop right there because I don't want anybody to break out with Fred Hammond. I know some of y'all got to get out your system. Just say it one time. All right, all right. Oh, we sounding good. We might have some competition for Kanye's Sunday service. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's do it one more time. Say it. All right, all right. Yeah, good class, good class. But seriously, when we hear the word blessed, it means makarios. It means to be happy. It means to be fortunate. And these beatitudes are opportunities for us to enter into the blessed life of God. So much so that when we come through it, we won't be recognizable. And that's why he will say to us, congratulations, as I've said. And yesterday in corporate prayer, it was amazing. It was such a sweet presence of Holy Spirit in this room that I actually had the opportunity to pray for some people. And here's the thing. I prayed for someone that I've known for a very long time. Like literally, I can look at them and I know it's so-and-so. You know what I'm saying? Like you know that you know it's that person. But yesterday morning in corporate prayer, the way that they were positioned, I did not know who they were. Literally, I prayed over this man, had no idea who he was, and God said some things through me to him. And after corporate prayer was over, when this man stood up, number one, he was taller than I thought. I'm joking. But when he stood up, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Trey. I prayed for someone that I didn't even know it was, so much so that around 12 noon, I called him. I said, hey, Trey, listen, I want to tell you, I did not know that was you right over here in this corner. I said, so whatever God said through me to you, believe it, because it wasn't Kendra talking. Meaning he's no longer recognizable in the natural because of what God is doing and transforming in his spirit. And that's the opportunity that we have that people who even have known you for a long time will no longer recognize you by your flesh. So here's the thing. Today we are on the seventh beatitude. The seventh beatitude, and again, this is Matthew 5, verse 9. It says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of 
God. Blessed, fortunate, happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, I want to tell you this early on. Arguably, this is one of the most difficult beatitudes. And the reason why it's difficult is this. There's a need for something to happen on the inside of us in order for there to be an outward flow of what's happening. So it's a two-pronged blessing, if you will. And the other reason why this is difficult is that it involves, look at your neighbor. It involves other people. And you know as well as I know, you plus anybody else, it's a mess. I mean, for some of you, you plus yourself is a mess, but I digress. But this particular message, this particular beatitude, it's saying this, in order for you to be blessed, there has to be internal transformation with an external observation from other people. Meaning you can't say, I'm blessed. You can't call yourself a peacemaker. Your peacemaking has to be, it must be proven by other people who are around you. The reality of the situation is this. When we talk about this particular beatitude, in order to produce a blessing and a reward from God, you also have to have a good, a blessed, a happy, a fortunate reputation with people. And see, some of you, you like to say, me and God, we good. But what this beatitude is saying is that, is that it's not enough for you and God to be good. You and God ought to be good, but you and other people have to be good too in order to be the recipient of being a peacemaker. Amen? So the reality for some of us is this. It's going to be difficult. However, this blessing of peacemaking, it's a thousandfold. Because the peacemaking blessing, when it's upon you, it doesn't just stay on you. It filters out through you to other people. And that's why there's a responsibility when he says, let us. So here's the thing. I know for some of you, you're like, listen, I hear you, but it's difficult to be a peacemaker. And I think we'd all agree in this room that it can be difficult to be a peacemaker because our world is in turmoil and conflict. Every time you turn around, there is something going on with people or there's something going on with a nation warring against another nation or a crisis of some type of sort or bacon being $12.99. That's a a problem, y'all. Jesus, fix it now. There's a lot of conflict and turmoil, and even sometimes when you're trying to do the right thing and trying to be a good Samaritan, trying to be a peacemaker, sometimes people don't respond to you in the way that you're coming at them. So I told you God showed up at corporate prayer. We we really were kissed by Holy Spirit yesterday. But you know, God all month has been like, before you step on this book board, I'm going to prove you in this peacemaking word. Literally. So I left corporate prayer in the holies of holies. I drive home. I'm turning into my property, and someone is facing on the wrong side of the road the opposite direction. So literally, if I wasn't paying attention, I would have had a head-on collision with someone who was 
in the wrong. So me, trying to be the good Samaritan that I am, I say, let me roll down this window because maybe this person's not familiar with this particular area. They don't maybe know what's going on. And I observed that this person was older than me, so I wanted to be very respectful, so I added that ma'am to it. Anybody know where I'm going with this? So I rolled down my window on my little car that needed a car wash. I know that. I could own that. I said, hi, ma'am. You know how you do your high voice? (laughs) All right, we're in the right class. I said, hi, ma'am. You may not know this, but you're parked on the right. Mind your business. With a gold tooth. And I was like... And what's so funny, my sister was actually on the phone with me, and she started busting out laughing. So, you know, that makes it worse. Anybody, you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to be a peacemaker. Then your friend clown at you. So all that was going on. And I was like, you know what? God, I'm going to mind my business and be a peacemaker and keep going my way. But what I said to my sister after we laughed about it, I said, you know what? That's how tense the world is right now, that you can't even help someone who's in the wrong without them going off on you. What I'm telling you is that even when you try to help someone who's in the wrong and they tell you with their go-tooth to mind your business this week, I still am telling you to be like Jesus, do what Jesus did and be a peacemaker. Here's the thing. Peacemaking wasn't possible with my senior friend yesterday. But the Bible doesn't say make peace with people with gold teeth. The Bible says that what's impossible with man, even if they have a gold tooth, is possible with God because it says with God all things are possible. Hear me, I know I'm making light and I'm not trying to diss my sister. God bless her for real. But the reality is we're all getting punched in the face with different triggers. We're all getting punched in the face with different reactions, some visceral and some not so visceral when we're trying to do the right thing. So we have to keep on the full armor of God. And remember this, if we're going to be a peacemaker, there's going to be war coming after us to not allow that to happen. But we still have to do what we're called to do because it doesn't say blessed are the rule breakers. It doesn't say blessed are the decision makers. It doesn't say blessed are the shot callers and ballers. It doesn't even say blessed are the boss bays. It says blessed are the peacemakers because they shall be called the children of God. Another interpretation of that says blessed are the peacemakers, the shalom givers, because they will be owned by God. See, the problem with some of us and why it can be difficult to make peace is because we don't want the shalom of God. See, in the Bible, there are 200 times where God extends the blessing of his shalom, his peace. And shalom is complete wholeness, both internally and externally. But a lot of times what's happening when we're challenged is that we're like, hold up, God, hold on. I don't want your peace. What did you say? Or, or, or the favorite one in Atlanta. Do you know who I am? No, I don't. I'm sorry. You got 500,000 followers. I only got 2,300 because my page has been private forever. Doesn't matter. 
What matters is do we know who he is and what he's inviting us into. Here's the thing. When we usher in the shalom of God, what we're able to do is get out of our own selfish tendencies, our own secret desires, in order to make things better for other people. What am I getting at? The shalom of God is not shallow. It's substantive. It's rich. It's transformative. And God is saying, I need you to be a carrier, a maker, an assembler of my shalom, of my peace, because the world we live in needs it. See, the peace that God is giving us in this beatitude, it's a non-negotiable. You can't opt out of it. Why? When you opt out of it, what happens is that everything and everyone attached to you also opts out. See, some of you are wondering why your family's in chaos. Your family's in chaos because God's been telling you to tap in to the shalom, to the peacemaking power of his beatitude. And you're like, nah, I'm good. I don't want that. And some of you are like me because March has been marching this month and, and my private uh, lament to God simply has been, God, this is not fair. I want to be honest with you. It's been a tough month. It's been a trying month. It's been a difficult month. There have been, this has been a month where tears have been shed even yesterday because I got a call. And here's the thing. When these calls come, I have to stop everything I'm doing to respond. And even last night after we had a full day, we, we married a couple that we did their premarital counseling for. We went to a 60th birthday celebration for one of my mentors. It was a full night. But as we were driving home from getting gas around 10 p.m., I heard Holy Spirit say this one thing to me. He said, they did it afraid for you. I need you to do it afraid for them. Hear me. I don't know who that's for in this room, but the Lord is saying, they, whoever they is, they did it afraid for you. I need you now to return the favor and do it afraid for them, even if you don't know the answer. Trust God. So the reality of where we are right now is that it, it does not, it isn't convenient to make peace. And for a lot of us, we look at the world and the world shows us people who have external and outward riches. riches. But the reality is this, external outward riches, with, riches without inner peace makes you poverty stricken still. Again, let me say that again. External riches, outward riches and wealth Without internal peace, it still makes you poverty-stricken. Why? You chase after something that's elusive because you cannot buy peace. You have to receive peace from God. And here's the thing. This is not me. This is Brett Berger. He said something that I think is so powerful. He's talking about the Beatitudes, especially blessed are the peacemakers, and he says this, take Jesus' words seriously, though. If a peacemaker is to be called a child of God, we should want to be one. To be one, however, will take some work. The beauty of this compound word is that it mashes up the word peace with the word for doing or practicing, meaning it is active. 
Again, someone who is a maker, they are someone who is a constructor. They are a builder. They are a modeler. They are an assembler. They are a former. Former, meaning you've got to do something to make this piece. All of these words, they indicate movement. They indicate action. And what Jesus is saying is you are blessed when you take the move, make the movement or take the step. What I know, no matter how hard this month has been, I'm on a clock down like, March, when you over? When you getting up out of here? But what I know is that with everything that's coming up against me, as I keep marching forward, I am blessed. Because here's the thing, when you are up against the wall and you're trying to be a peacemaker, but you're feeling like it's blowing up in your face, God is saying, keep moving, keep marching forward. Why? Every step we take is a kick in the face to the devil. See, I want to be clear. Everyone can't be called a peacemaker. And the reason why everyone can't be called a peacemaker is because for a lot of us, we have rested in the laurels of our flesh. That's why in 2020, Toby Wegway, his song, Try Jesus, Not Me, it went viral. See, some of y'all laughing now like, ha ha, girl, let me tell you. And what Jesus is saying, try turning off your flesh and try tapping into my spirit. Let me say that again for this side of the room, because that side of the room, they weren't really feeling me, y'all. Jesus is saying, if you want to be a peacemaker, try turning off your flesh and all its natural tendencies and try tapping into the spirit. Amen. Why is he telling us that? It's simple. You know this. I'm not going to tell you anything groundbreaking or revelatory today. My assignment today is simple. It's to remind you of the fundamental truth of this beatitude. The reason why we have to turn off our flesh and tap into the spirit is this. We cannot give what we don't have. You cannot be a peacemaker absent of it. You cannot give what you don't have. I don't care how many times you positive affirmation your way into it. I don't care if you wake up to melodies from heaven rain down on me as your alarm. If you ain't got it, you can't give it. And a lot of us, we have to humble ourselves to enough, even if it's not to other people, we have to humble ourselves enough to God to say, God, I ain't got it. I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to walk in this. But I need you. And those simple words, I need you, almost has become foreign in the professional church of 2023. Because we are so conditioned to show up and look the part but not be the part. And this particular beatitude is saying, I've got to make you the part. I've got to shape you into the part. i got to shake up some stuff because I need you to be qualified. Because the stuff that's coming is designed to disqualify the body of Christ. I'm telling you. And it's not outside non-believers or atheists. It's other Christians. What you mean, Pastor Mo said you can't manifest? He don't know. I'm going to leave that alone. 
But thank y'all for the 20,000 plus views. Keep sharing it out. People need to hear the word of God for real. My assignment today is simple. It's to remind you of what a peacemaker looks like. What a peacemaker looks like. Number one, peacemakers are risk takers. Peacemakers, they are risk takers. Why? We serve the ultimate risk taker, Abba God. Hear me. Peacetakers are risk takers. Listen to what it says in Romans 5, 8 through 11. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we not be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Why am I saying that God was the ultimate risk taker? He was the ultimate risk taker because he sacrificed his son, Jesus, on the cross, knowing that people still would not believe on him. Listen, I love Maximus. I'm not sacrificing him for y'all. I ain't God. But, but hear me, God did it. Like, like follow me, God sacrificed. He, take, he made the ultimate risk as a peacemaker, knowing that even in 2023, people would be leaving the church because they would be deconstructing what other people said, not what his word said. He risked it all. See, some of us say we're risk takers. We're really not risk takers. We're calculated manipulators. We'll say, hey, I'll do A and B if you do C and D. We, we are people, even in the body of Christ, we have if-then statements. If you let me tap it, I'll put a ring on it. Calculated manipulators, not risk takers. Amen. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. <laughs> you cannot be a calculated manipulator and serve the living God. It won't work. It will not work. It will work for a season, but you will have a trail of tears behind you of lives you destroyed instead of lives you were supposed to usher into the kingdom. I have a public service announcement. It's for a man in this room. Leave her alone. You don't want her. Stop messing with her mind. The blood's going to be on your hands, not hers. That is not in my notes. <laughs> Jesus is walking and speaking up in here because he needs us to understand what's at stake, y'all. Hear me, two days ago I could barely talk. But he's saying we don't have a lot of time to play around. You see what's on the news. We've got banks failing. We got all types of murder and mayhem. It's like common and it's not supposed to be. 
Even Atlanta, the city that was known as a place too busy to hate, it's becoming the murder capital of the world, y'all. We got to pray. We have to be those peacemakers. People have to know that when we show up, things are going to change. It can't be about us four no more and we skirt, skirt out to the suburbs no more. Because there's a mission field right here in this city. And God needs each and every one of us to get equipped. And the first way we get equipped is that we understand the opportunity to become a peacemaker, a shalom giver. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy because it won't. And it's going to cost us something. And the number one thing it's going to cost us is our comfort. See, I'm not telling you something I just studied to preach. I used to be a peacekeeper. And hear me, there's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. See, a peacekeeper is someone who doesn't want to rock the boat. A peacekeeper is that person who says, I'm going to let the dogs lie. A peacekeeper is that person who says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. A peacekeeper is that person, you know that you know that you know that thing is out of order, but you don't say anything because you want popularity more than you want the perfect will of God. I am a healed, I am a reformed peacekeeper. From a little girl, I would go along to get along because I wanted the approval of my parents. I wanted the approval of my cousins. I grew into an adult who wanted the approval of my colleagues. So I remember the time I dropped my little placket that said I could do all things through Christ in the faculty cafeteria, and you would have thought I dropped a vial of crack because I was like, ooh, because I worked at a place where there's a separation between church and state. Your thing might not be my thing, but if we are peacekeepers, what happens is we forfeit the opportunity to usher in the shalom of God for ourselves and others. See, because here was the thing. As long as I was a peacekeeper, I was anxious. I was nervous. I second-guessed myself. I lacked confidence. But when God made me become a, a peacemaker, and I said he made me, it was a life or death situation. Literally, I was lecturing on federalism at my former university. And the Lord said, Kendra, there's someone in this room, they're going to take their life unless you tell them what I'm saying. I said, God, I'm not going to do it because, um, you know, I got this good government job. Uh, there's a separation of church and state, and I need to pay my bills. Anybody, can we just be an honest church today? See, I, I was telling the 9 a.m. service, if I could have created myself, I would have been a rapper somewhere between Mary J. Blige and Missy Elliott, right? So when I talk to God, I talk to God in colors. I talk to God in numbers, right? And so I'm lecturing on federalism, which is basically how the state and the government, they work, you know, the state government, federal government work together, all this stuff. Midway through the lecture, the Lord says, Kendra, I need you to say this. And here's the thing. I used to be so afraid of people. Y'all, I kept lecturing on federalism. I was on devolution at that point. But I almost got nauseous, like almost like I felt like I would throw up. I said, all right, God. So I said, listen, there's someone in this room. I don't know who you are. The Lord says you're going to take your life after this lecture. And he says, don't do it. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
I felt, I said it, and I, I, I felt like, oh my gosh, I just failed, and I'm about to get fired. Later that day, when I got to my office, someone had left me a voicemail. All I know is a Caucasian male, and my last name at the time was King. He said, Dr. King, that was me. Thank you for interrupting your lecture. I'm not going to take my life. It was that one act of reluctance obedience that began to form and shape me and make me into a peacemaker, which is that you have to be a risk taker. Why? Peacemakers, they go into situations where there are warring parties with no known guarantee of a benefit for themselves. And that's what God is inviting us into. The second way in which we become peacemakers is in this. When we understand that we ought to be active, not passive. Active, not passive. Romans 12, 18 in the NIV, it says it this way. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible. And sometimes it's not going to be possible, but you still have to take on this this second thing I'm going to share with you, which is to be active in peacemaking, not passive. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see God. See, you have to be active because, again, peace is not the absence of conflict, but rather it's the presence of active resolve. Again, peace, it is not the absence of conflict, but it is the presence of active resolve. See, in our household, happy wife, happy life, it don't work. My husband's like, "Mm mm-mm. You cannot run this house and I'm miserable. Why, that's peacekeeping. Now, that doesn't mean he runs roughshod and tries to be an alpha male and everything. What it means is that when we have disagreement, we sit down and we talk about it. We disagree sometimes to the point of agreement so that we are active in our peacemaking. Why? What the enemy loves to do, especially with married couples, is to allow you to go to bed mad. See, some of y'all ain't even sleeping in the same bed, but I'm going to mind my business and stroll over here. And if you're in this room right now and you got beef with your spouse, the one you took covenant with at the altar unto God, and you're not in the same bedroom with them, I'm encouraging you and inviting you today into peacemaking, which is active. Let God make you before the devil devours your marriage. That wasn't in my notes either. Here's the thing. You cannot be active and passive at the same time. And that's the thing. Some of us want to be convenient peacemakers. And God is saying, I need you to inconvenience yourself for the gospel. 
I need you to take up this promise of shalom, not just for yourself, but for others. And I see some of you looking at me in that tone of voice. You're like, I hear you. And I really want to do this. But I don't even have inner peace. So this is what I want to do. I want to take an unplanned interruption and pray for those who are sitting in these seats right now who are in a turmoil, because here's the thing, I can continue to preach this message, but if you can't hear this message, it's just words. And right now, the devil is causing some turmoil in people right now. I rebuke the spirit of suicide right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of giving up in the name of Jesus. I rebuke even the spirit of wrecking it all right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we come right now and for every person in this room who is not currently receiving your shalom, Holy Spirit, come now. Usher in your shalom through their inner being in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare that everyone in this room will live and not die to declare your your word. There will not be any suicides in this room. Father, there will not be any depression in this room. The spirit of heaviness and depression has to go right now because your peace is real. Your peace is active. Your peace is whole. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 This is not a show, y'all. This is real. The way God has been ministering to Mo and I through this series, it's like he won't give us rest. Even in the discomfort, he's saying, we still have to snatch souls out of the hands and the grips of the enemy. Playtime is over. And I'm not saying you have to run around everywhere to proclaim in the word of God, but I'm saying even when you usher in the shalom, privately you can pray in the grocery store. God's been dealing with me, y'all. And one of the things he's been dealing with me on, he's like, Kendra, you can use introversion as a crutch all you want. But that still doesn't exclude you from ushering in my kingdom. You can say, you know, I'm a loner all you want, or, you know, I, 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 I have to recharge a particular way. He said, what if I'm not going to allow you to recharge in this season? It's uncomfortable right now, y'all. It's painful, but it's necessary because I don't want to be that person who's telling what God did 10 years ago. I want to be able to tell you what God did yesterday. I want to be able to tell the one o'clock what you tell me at the door that God did in this service. And the only way I can do that is to get outside of my own comfort zone and get out of the way so God can make me a shalom carrier. Here's the thing. We can't keep pretending that by doing nothing and saying nothing, peace is just going to magically appear. In her book, The Space Between Us, Sarah Bauer Anderson, she says this, pretending something doesn't exist is not a strategy for peace. It is a recipe for disaster. Pretending that something does not exist Online, you hear me? Pretending that it doesn't exist, that's not a strategy for peace. That's a recipe for disaster. Anybody, did you pretend that he didn't have a wife? Never mind, let me leave that alone. Recipe for disaster. 
Somebody right now, you upset because you pretended that that Netflix, Netflix passcode wasn't yours. Now you can't chill no more. We've got to walk into these things. What do I mean by this practically? Number one, peacemakers, they're courageous, vulnerable, honest, and humble. Number two, peacemakers are embracers of God's grace and truth. Not one or the other, but both of them combined, God's grace and truth. Number three, peacemakers are lovers of people who value telling them the truth. Number four, peacemakers are truth bearers, not consensus builders. They don't squash things out of fear or go along to get along. Why? Peacemakers, we are those who seek out as well as create shalom for each and every person we encounter, whether we want to or not. We inconvenience ourselves so that they are convenience and maybe we'll see God in and through us. Here's what I want you to know. Sometimes peace is affirmed in the face of affliction. Hear me. Sometimes peace is affirmed in the face of affliction. I told you this month, March has been marching. And literally, I pulled up on the scene of something the 7th of March, and it was devastating. And automatically, my family, we had to figure out something. And I remember when I went back into the place to get some things, a person literally came up to me and kissed me like Judas and had the, had the audacity to ask me, where do you get your peace from? Now, on the inside, can I be honest? Anybody, have you ever had air fights? <laughs> on the inside, when they kiss me, I'm going to be like, don't touch me. But on the inside, I let Judas kiss me. Because when we really are peacemakers, it's not about our flesh. It's about glorying him. And here's the thing. As painful as that situation was, it affirmed what we already knew. Because it had to happen. See, some of you are lamenting something that is currently inconvenient but is a divine blessing from God if you can just hold on and keep the faith. If you can just hold on and keep making peace. Hear me, making peace, being active, not passive in the peace. What I've been saying to God this whole month is I know that I know that I know there is glory coming after this. And as much as I want to forfeit the glory for inconvenience, non-suffering, hear me, I personally would like to forfeit the glory that's coming so I don't have to suffer right now. Anybody like that or is just the pastor? God loves me enough to not allow me to forfeit my future over a current situation that's painful. And if he loves me enough to do that, I'm submitting that he loves you enough to do it. Don't forfeit your future. Forgive them. Bless them. 
I remember the day that Pastor Drea's mother prayed over me, Miss, Miss Mary Fisher, and it was like Jesus stood up through that woman and looked me in the eyes, and this is what she told me, which is allow me to keep going on in this hellacious march. She said, whatever they do, you bless them, daughter. I couldn't argue with that truth because I knew who was speaking through her. She didn't know me. But when she gave me that mandate, even though I've air fought a couple of times, I didn't say, try Jesus, not me. I'm growing. Hear me. Peace sometimes is is produced through confrontation. Hear me. I'm talking about air fighting. I'm not telling anybody to put hands on nobody. I want to clarify. But sometimes you have to have the tough conversation to get to the truth to make peace. See, some of you are feeling some kinds of ways, and the word of God is saying, as it is up to you, as it depends on you, make peace with everyone. In the Psalms, it says, let peace, let peace, let peace, hear this, be your life motto. So if currently right now, actively, you're not letting peace be your life motto, I submit to you, you have to receive the active presence of peace, not the passive presence of peace. And here's the thing. Being a peacemaker sometimes is excruciating. Being a peacemaker sometimes, it's humiliating. Being a peacemaker sometimes, it's debilitating. But I can tell you this, being a peacemaker is always liberating because you're doing it unto God, not unto man. That's why the word of God says, oh, no man but to love them. It's simple, but it requires something of us. And then here's the last thing. If you want to be a peacemaker, you have to look like the Father. You have to look like the Father. See, it's easy to be a peacekeeper when everything is rainbows and unicorns and Casamigos. It's easy to be a peacekeeper. Maker, when you at the spring sorway, just getting it. But I'm gonna mind my business. I saw y'all on the video. But can you be a peacemaker when you driving with don't follow directions, Davio? Can you be a peacekeeper when you gotta work with know it all, Nikisha? Can you be a peace, pardon me, maker when you gotta work with all caps out? I Meaning he lie about everything. And I'm saying, yes, yes, you can, because in order to be a peacemaker, you are invited to look like the Father. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on 
a cross. See, as children of God, we've got to see this thing differently. We have to know and embrace that we have the opportunity to be peacemakers who resemble our Father so much so that when we show up, we become the peacemakers, not the vengeance takers. See, it should be known that when Roe and Dre show up, peace is on the scene. It should be known that when Brandy shows up, peace is on the scene. It should be known that when Mary shows up, peace is on the scene. It should be known that when you show up, peace is on the scene. And here's the thing. Sometimes it's hard to show up as the peacemaker because everything around you is in disarray. But God still gives us this opportunity. He invites us in to take on his strength, not our own. See, in 2020, I was canceled. It was one of the most painful things that happened to me because I had just wrote a book called Being as Leading, which dealt with culture and culture change and culture shift and leadership. That book came out in August of 2020. In October of 2020, I was invited to take a leadership next step. And in this leadership next step, I would take on an interim role where I'd be a vice president. And when the opportunity first came my way, I turned it down because when the opportunity came my way, Mo and I had found out that I was actually expecting who is now Maximus. So if you know our journey, I didn't want anything to come in the way of that blessing. So I told the person, thank you so much, but no thank you. They said, listen, Kendra, you'll be great at this. I'm going to give you a week. I'll call you back. So a week later, this person called me back and said, hey, have you had any thought about this? And I said, listen, thank you so much, but no again, and FYI, I'm expecting. And they were like, well, listen, do it for the diapers. And I was like, snap, because I had no idea all you parents how expensive diapers, pampers, whatever you want to call them, actually are. Maximus has a bougie butt. Listen, I'm like, come on, potty training. But long story short, through prayer, through some fasting, I accepted this opportunity to step in, hear me, this interim role. Once it became public, literally, I went through 10 months of being canceled by people because of who I am standing on this platform, not what I do and what my PhD happens to be in. And for 10 months, at least once a week, someone was saying she either needs to denounce her face, faith or step down from this position. For 10 months, unknowingly, because I never knew when it was coming, an attack would come and it'd be a punch in the face about who I was as a Christian. I would have to be on Zoom calls, so much so, some of you remember the night that we did a worship night here and we wrote prayers under the foundation. Anybody, were you here for that night? Few people? I see a few of your hands. I missed that night. I missed that night because I had to be on a Zoom call explaining my professional credentials and why I was qualified for this position. And on that particular Zoom call, it got really tense and people started to not attack the person, not attack, attack the position anymore, they literally began to attack me, not knowing that I was carrying my son. 
And it was that night that I prayed for the shalom of God. I prayed on that Zoom. I was literally speaking in tongues and no one could see me moving because I go like that. And I said, God, this is heavy, but you've called me to this. And in exchange for me resembling you and being quiet in this role, I'm asking that you protect my son in my womb and you allow him to carry your peace. Let me tell you, with everything that's been going on and how March has been marching, whenever I feel unstable, I go and I hug that boy. Because when I tell you Maximus carries the shalom of God, he is a blessing. (laughs) Almost three years later, I can tell you this. I needed to be canceled. I needed to be canceled. I needed to be crushed like that. I needed to go through that because I had got comfortable again, y'all. And the peacemaker God had formed me into, I was slipping back into being a peacekeeper. So I needed that. It was painful, but it was necessary because God said, I'm going to need you to stand flat-footed and unapologetic about what I've called you to do because when people who don't look like you and who don't say they believe what you believe ask you to come into their office privately and pray for them, you got to be equipped to do it. When people kind of catch you on the side and say, I know you're a pastor, can you pray for me? Oh, but you let them camp, you know. That's what you want to say? Yes, I can pray for you. This is what I'm saying, y'all, as we wrap up. What does a peacemaker look like? It says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, believers, rejoice. Be made complete. Be what you should be. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. Enjoy the spiritual well-being experienced by believers who walk closely with God. And the God of love and peace, the source of loving kindness, will be with you. The Word of God says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be owned as the children of God. Who's going to own them? God is going to own them as his children. And today we have this opportunity to enter into his peace, to be peacemakers who are risk takers, to be peacemakers who are active, not passive, to be peacemakers who look like our Father, not like our flesh. And as we close out today, I want to do two things. The first is I'm going to invite us all to stand as we usher in salvation for those who want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today. But the second thing I'm going to do, which may create a little bit of chaos, is that as all the preaching pastors this weekend have been sensing what God has wanted to do, We haven't really known how God was going to close out the services. And it wasn't until the 9 a.m. that the Lord gave me what he wants for Midtown, which is simply this. I'm going to pray for salvation. And after I pray for salvation, I'm going to pray 
a general prayer of peace over us. But I wanna invite you, if you are in need of more peace, if you're in inner turmoil or conflict as it relates to peace, hear me, even if you may have some suicidal ideations and need peace in that, I wanna invite you to come to this altar and touch it knowing that by faith, when you touch this altar, which is active, it's open, it's alive, it's real, God is gonna meet you where you are. And if you're someone in this room that you need a next step, you need someone to pray with you, our prayer leaders will be down here as well. Because here's the thing that I love the most about Victory Church. We believe in resourcing you we don't want you to suffer in silence. We don't want you to walk in shame. Yes, as the, as the sweatshirt says, we believe in Jesus and therapy, Karina. Yes. So I'm going to pray salvation and I'm going to pray over us. And if you're just in this room, I encourage you, I invite you before you leave. There is no shame in the game. You see, I'm, I'm touching it. Because I need the peace of God right now. So for those of you in this room, let's bow our heads as we pray this salvation prayer. And for those of you in this room who you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you'll just raise your hand in the air. I see those hands. Praise you, Jesus. I see those hands. Everyone, if you'll repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. Please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me walk out your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer of salvation. It is so now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for all of our brothers and sisters who accepted Christ this morning. Thank you, Jesus. And as I said, I'm gonna pray now for peace and this altar is open. You can come and touch it. Father, we come now thanking you for this preached word, but not for a word that was preached, but for your shalom that you have invited us into. And so, Father, I pray for everyone here under the sound of my voice, and even for those of you who are watching online, tap your screen for peace. Father, we thank you that shalom is a precious gift that you give us, and we receive it. Father, I pray even now in the name of Jesus that your tangible peace is meeting people back in their homes when they leave this place. Father, I thank you for the person who felt unstable who didn't even feel like their medication was working. Right now, your peace is showing up and it will remain in Jesus' name. For the Father, for that person who has to make a critical life decision and they did not know what to do, I thank you that right now, your peace is showing up in the form of clear direction. Father, I thank you that you're giving us an ear to hear your heart and your will for our lives. 
Father, I thank you that there's a couple that right now you're at odds, but I hear the living God saying, hold hands, even right now, you might be watching online. The Lord says, hold hands, because as you touch hands, my peace is coming to permeate where there has been a barrier. Father, even anything I didn't call out, you know, Holy Spirit, what is in need of in this room. So however you need to usher in peace, we thank you that you're sending your angels forth now to cover your people, to keep your people, and to bathe your people in shalom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Victory Midtown. Hey, Victory, if you didn't get a, t- a chance to touch the altar, you can keep coming down. You can keep coming. This isn't a moment that just went away after that prayer was ended. Prayer leaders, if you want to come forward now, I welcome you down. Prayers for anybody in the house. It's your first time here. Maybe you've been here forever and you're believing for something. Maybe touching the altar wasn't enough and you want somebody to believe with you to stand in the gap with you. That's what we are here for. Because we know who our God is. And you know who your God is, but maybe you just need a little pick-me-up. Or maybe you just need somebody to help you, to hold your hand as you pray through it. We invite you down as soon as the service is over. And if you gave your life to Christ today, I want to tell you that that was the single most important decision of your life. Victory family, can we welcome those people to our family? Come on. Hey, you're not alone in this. And it doesn't end with just saying yes to Jesus. We want to give you some real steps. And so there's a one-step wall. It's a big green wall out in the, the lobby. There will be family members there who want to talk to you and help lead you through what it looks like over the next week, over the next months, as we help you walk this thing called faith out. And we're so thankful that you came here today. So thankful that you said yes to the God who's called you to be near to Him. And lastly, that one-step wall. Again, this week's one step is invite somebody, host somebody at your house, or serve on the welcome team or anywhere during the Easter services. That's your one step this week. But if there's something else, you can find resources, somebody to talk to about it at the one-step wall. And Victory, if I may, I want to bless you before you go. And we do this thing called life, okay? If you'll bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Just thank you. Because you've already won for us. You've paid a price for us. God, we need you in our lives if we want to be peacemakers. You have to be an active part of our lives if we want to be different than the world around us. And if we want to create change around us, it has to be you because it can't be us. It can't be me. So thank you for the invitation. Lord, bless your people this week that they would know you, they would feel you, they would be empowered by what they heard today that they would want to live a life worthy of you and in such a way that without words, somebody's going to ask, what makes you different? Where do you go to church? 
How do I get a hold of that power that you have? Father, we love you. So we pray, we ask to be peacemakers for your name. Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Victory, let's go be awesome this week.